sometimes I tell my clients, you could do this yourself. This is how, this is what it would look like. But you can also tile your own bathroom. Why would you? (laughs) (laughs) I got the value that I offer as a specialist. They're just silly not to hire me to do this. I've got the connections. I've got the know-how. I've got the years of experience. Do they want to reinvent the wheel on this important thing called their livelihood? So when I got my own value as having a specialized offer, then I saw the value in all those other specialists too. Helping people build ambitious and satisfying careers, businesses, and lives. This is the Influence Ecology Podcast. Now, here is your host, John Patterson. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm your host, John Patterson, the co-founder and CEO of Influence Ecology, the leading business education in transactional competence. Broadcasting from Ojai, California, this podcast features case studies, stories, and lessons from business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs who found real solutions, results, and satisfaction, not only with work, career, and money, but in every area of life. You'll hear how these ambitious professionals found that those who transact powerfully thrive Miranda McCroskey is a 20-plus year defense attorney who founded Unlock Legal to help accidental criminals unlock their professional license from the collateral consequence of one bad choice. As a business owner, she discovered that the saying, keep it small and keep it all, might also lead to the new poverty of self-sufficiency. In other words, As animals of exchange and specializations, we human beings only thrive in groups as our ability, capacity, and efficiency is multiplied by a large number of other people. Miranda realized that if she didn't leverage her time by hiring expert help and expand her circles of influence to find that valued help, she would always stay small. After the break, we'll hear a clip from a webinar about the importance of seeking specialized help in the marketplace. Here's the interview. Miranda, welcome to the Influence Ecology Podcast. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be a guest on this podcast. I've listened to many, many episodes. Very good. Well, first, uh, let's take a moment to get to meet you, what you do, who you are, where you live, and all of that. I'm Miranda McCroskey. I live in Tustin, California, which is in Orange County. I always say it's 20 minutes door-to-door to Disneyland. That helps people figure that out. And I'm an attorney. I spent the last 20 years being a criminal defense attorney, and I've recently taken an aspect of my practice and rebranded it as basically my exclusive offering, and that's professional license defense. Say a little bit about your career so we have a sense of the scope of your career. I was rather impressed looking into what you've accomplished and who you are and and so forth. So we can find a little bit more about that first. I'd love to hear that. Sure. Well, I graduated law school, you know, about 20 years ago, and I worked for the federal government, and then I worked for the local government, and I always knew, basically, I had a heart for people. I wanted to serve the people and get into the human drama, so I never wanted to do the corporate and the civil stuff, and that is indeed where my career went. So I was a public defender for a while, and then I went private, and I had my own firm, have had my own firm for the last 15 years or so. In spring of 2014, I thought, you know, I want to take the stage, write a book, I have a message, I want something to say. 
So I started my own podcast called Lawpreneur Radio, where I interviewed entrepreneurial attorneys about how they had the courage and inspiration to leave big law or leave government law and go on their own. It really takes a lot to cut those ties of security and what what was the catalyst and how they do that. And about halfway into the two years I was actively doing these interviews, I realized, oh my goodness, I don't know anything about running a business. Everything I was learning from my interviewees, I thought, goodness, I don't have a business plan. I don't have, I don't leverage myself. I don't have systems. And that's when I started really looking into how to run a law firm as a business. And I did a stint at a large international firm as the chair of their criminal defense division. And after about a year and a half, I went back on my own and basically found Influence Ecology, and the timing was just beautiful. I have used all of my learnings to do this rebrand and rebirth. I'm very happy with the result, and I'm focusing on professional license defense, as I said. That's great. And I was reading over the offer of professional license defense in detail, and I think it's fantastic. And I want to hear about this. But before we do, since you brought up the podcast and your journey there, is there anything about that that we should know? I've seen that it's available on iTunes and Stitcher and so forth. Anything else we should know about your particular podcast? I have two. So I didn't mention the second one, but I'll come around to that. Lawpreneur Radio is, is an interesting journey through people's lives. I wanted to know what brought them to where they were, and then I asked them about a failure and a success, and then... Um, I also, the last part of the podcast, I would mimic what I did as a brand new attorney going out on my own, which was take people to lunch and just get the pragmatic advice, like, what kind of bank account do I need? Do I incorporate? How do you pay taxes? What is this? And I would always ask them very practical questions at the end of the podcast. So it's inspirational and it's a journey. And and then my next podcast I did, I called The Inspired Lawyer and that's because I've done a lot of professional development and personal development work, and I, I really wanted to leverage my connections and let people... I typically am the only attorney in the room when I do my personal development work, and I, and I thought I'll bring some of these amazing conversations to my attorney friends through the Inspired Lawyer. So that's what I did. Here at Influence College, we have a lot of people who are in law and participating What are you finding people are primarily struggling with in that world? I have a very specific answer to that question because I learned the answer, or at least my opinion, in doing my podcast. It's the thing that Michael Gerber talks about in the E-Myth and all his versions of the E-Myth. We come out of law school as technicians. We know how to practice law. We don't come out with MBAs, unless we were lucky enough to do a joint JD MBA program, but that's not usual. So... In Influence Ecology, we talk a lot about personality types, and the type that we identify as the judge is often the type of a personality that gets a law degree. They're very into evidence. They want to have everything proven, and those people are really great attorneys, but maybe they're not such great business owners. So I would say that's the biggest breakthrough is if they have, and I tell this to all young attorneys that I mentor, and I do it a lot. Are you an entrepreneur? Or are you a technician? Are you, do you want to sit behind the desk and do the do? And that's great. I mean, that's that's an attorney has to do that, who has to write the contract and has to resolve the case. But that, or, or are you an entrepreneur? Do you want to be a rainmaker? Do you want to create a business? Where's your strength? And I found so much freedom through working with Influence Ecology and getting that my personality type is called an inventor and that it's okay. I'm not a bad attorney just because I don't want to sit behind my desk and do the documents. I want to create the business. 
So I think that's their biggest breakdown is they're not built to run a business. And so it's a whole new world and sometimes refreshing and exciting, but sometimes foreign and terrifying. Yeah, it's fascinating for us because we do deal with a lot of people who are technicians. Maybe they're doctors, maybe they're lawyers, maybe they're practitioners of some kind. And they may not be people who are competent in the world of business, but they're competent for sure in their particular skill set. And they come here and find out there's so many things that they didn't know, but start to put together a plan for satisfying so many of those aims. On my own work with individuals, there are people who are very smart, what it takes to be a doctor, what it takes to be a lawyer, uh, and some of these other things. You have to be really smart. You have to do well in school. You have to continue to do well in school to do that. So I think that also many of these technicians find it odd that they're so smart in one way and then find that they may be naive in others. Is there anything else that you'd like to say about that? It's strange to be a fish out of water. Well, let's say your entire educational career, you were top of the class, you came out of a great law school, you're going to be a patent attorney, maybe. You bring your love of science and your love of law, and you marry them, and you sit behind a desk, and, and you produce this amazing result, these products, for 20 years. And then you think, I'll go on my own. And then you get out there, and everything that made you an amazing patent attorney isn't serving in, in how to market, how to rent space, how to hire help, how to have a team and they run into a wall. But what you teach us in Influence Ecology is to make your dreams come true, you have to have a great team, and that's something they could learn and put into process. Well said. All right, well, we're gonna come back to that because I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons that you've experienced as well here at Influence Ecology. Tell us about your own offer and tell us about what you do and kind of customer that you serve because it's very specific and well articulated. So tell us about that. As a criminal defense attorney, probably the first half of my career, I barely asked what my clients did for a living. I was concerned with the facts in front of me. Tell me about the facts that led to this accusation of petty theft. Tell me about the DUI. Was it blood or breath? How fast were you going, etc. Eventually, I started asking them what they did for a living and started to realize that some percentage of them were licensed professionals in the state of California. Maybe it was a chiropractor with a theft crime or a physician's assistant with a DUI. And I started to realize that after I had resolved the criminal matter and we protected their liberty to the extent we could, they would come back to me and say, what do I do now? And they'd have a manila envelope from the board that licensed them with an accusation in it. And it was like we were starting the whole process again in a different arena. So I took on representing them in front of their various boards as well, because now, like I said, we managed the, li the liberty, now we're going to have to manage their livelihood. It was a total one-two punch that people weren't anticipating. That would be so tough. Oh gosh, I don't, I don't even want to imagine the situation. Based on my own choice, I decided to make my offer very specialized and only do the second part of that. I don't turn away the criminal clients, on occasion I handle both aspects, but what I market to is licensed professionals in the state of California who have these issues. And I do it to three distinct, I kind of call them products, three distinct products I created. One is an appeal. So um, I have a young man who wants to be a nurse. He actually completed his nursing education and applied to the board of registered nurses and his application was rejected because of past drug issues. 
So we're going to expunge those matters and clean them up and give a different narrative to the board and hope that they'll allow him, even if it's a provisional license, hope that they'll allow him to be licensed and follow the career of his choice. His past crimes shouldn't affect the rest of his life. The second product I offer is to people who are currently licensed. Maybe they get a DUI or a theft crime, or maybe they just have bad acts inside the workplace or allegations of these acts that don't lead to a conviction, but are still an issue. So I have physical therapists with DUIs and you name it, a respiratory therapist with a DUI. I get a lot of referrals from criminal defense attorneys for, for this one. And the third one is people who give up their license for whatever reason. I have a nurse, she practiced for 22 years and then did what we call drug diversion, meaning she took some drugs inappropriately at her place of work. It didn't rise to the level of a criminal conviction, but in the resolution of it, she did give up her professional license. And now it's seven years later and she'd like to be a nurse again. And I'd like to support her in that. So we're doing a petition for reinstatement where again, we craft a new narrative and we show them everything she's done in the last seven years and no criminal issues, clean and sober. Here's her steps towards all of this. And so that's the third thing, petition for reinstatement. And how did the work of Influence Ecology, particularly the fundamentals of transaction program, assist you in constructing this offer or its specific customer or the particular focus? A lot of what I just described was in the works as I entered Influence Ecology and Fundamentals of Transaction, but it really brought it to a head and helped me hone it and get specific. So while I did my six-month program, I did the rebrand with the branding specialist and the logo and this and that. I did all the, the pretty stuff to create the firm Unlock Legal, which is what I call it. I got very specific on my customer and who I wanted and, and who I didn't want. And I learned the power of saying no. What you decline gives you authority. So by stepping away from the criminal world, scary. It's scary to say no. I still want to take things on, but I tell myself, is that how I want to spend my time and efforts? What else? All the reading we learned was very beneficial, causing me to sit down and look at my offer and hone it and look at these products that I created. I, I created them as I was working through Fundamentals of Transaction. I'm in a service industry, but one other thing I'm doing is I'm creating this business to sell. And I never thought that way before. And most attorneys don't think that way in my experience. And I'm really being careful about the intellectual property I create as a package. They call it goodwill. I'm creating these services. I'm, I'm having them shaped as products because that makes it more sellable. So it's, it's an overlay on my firm that is unique. And I also got that out of the things we discuss in Fundamentals of Transaction. If you'd like to know more about Influence Ecology and our approach, you can register for free 30-day guest access. During this time, you can test drive our interactive webinars, online learning system, and private mentorship. Program participation is by application only, and successful participants earn candidacy into our advanced program tiers. Our members are an international assembly of ambitious professionals, business leaders, and executives from a variety of countries, industries, and cultures. To find out more, you can find a link in the show notes for this podcast at influenceecology.com forward slash podcast. That's influenceecology.com forward slash podcast. Or in the U.S. or Canada, you can text the word ambition to 805-262-9008 and we'll send the registration link right to your mobile phone. Again, text the word ambition to 805-262-9008. 
Also in our show notes, you'll find all the links to websites, books, or special downloads mentioned in this podcast. One of the things that I'd like to to focus on here for just a moment, because you bring it up, particularly with those technicians or practitioners who go at it alone. And you mentioned the kind of naivete that many people have when they enter the marketplace alone and try to do it alone. Tell me about your own journey through this lesson. You mentioned in your notes, for example, the statement that we make self-sufficiency is the new poverty. I'm interested in your own journey as you, as, as many people often do, they go it alone, they try to do it alone, they're, they're thinking by themselves, they're sitting down in front of a computer to write something on their own, they're not getting the help of others, they're constructing an entire enterprise on their own. You make the notes, of course, keep it small and keep it all as a kind of thought that many people have. So what did you first deal with about perhaps your own ego, your own naivete, your own conceit about doing all this yourself and beginning to move into a different mindset? Years ago, I got fired twice in a year and I said, I'm never working for anyone else again. And of course, I never thought I had the, the money or space to have anyone work for me. So I spent my entire career until very recently until um, literally a year ago, on my own. And I always did just fine, thank you very much. And there was plenty of ego around that, and I was always the hero of my own life. And if that meant didn't have enough money for rent that month, but somehow pulled it off in the last minute, that was a victory instead of being clear of what I needed and having it ahead of time. So being the hero, even though I look back and think it's kind of a pitiful way to be, it still kept me going. One of the things I really learned in this program was the power of a team. And when I got clear that my personality type is the inventor, my husband is a producer personality type as as influence ecology defines it. And he likes to get stuff done. And for a long time we would say we worked together, but we didn't really work together because it was my business and I did everything. (laughs) I mean, it was a big insight. I'm only laughing because the story's so common. Go ahead. Anyway, I really got present to, wow, he likes doing this. He, he likes making things happen to completion. And I, I got present to, it. I used to think I was just mean to tell him what to do. And I thought, he wants to sit back and have all these ideas like me, and I'm shoving him in that corner. And later I got clear, like, no, we all have our own strengths. And his is very clearly getting stuff done. And he actually is hungry for me to give him clear direction and then leave him alone. And how great for me. So once I owned that, I was able to delegate that way. Many people, when they come into the programs of influence ecology, they walk in, of course, with all they know and think and all they think to be true and all they think to be right and good about their trajectory in terms of their own work, career, or money, and find out rather quickly where they're naive, where they have blind spots. Or some of my inventors often say, where I was conceited, there was a lot of ego in the way, for example. Did you struggle a bit in the beginning in considering other views besides your own? Anything else about that to say? So I don't know that I'm that evolved at this point. It's not all balanced quite right at this point. Yeah, plenty of conceit around that. It's my business. I created it. But what I do find is... If I have an idea, there's lots of people in the world that want to help me make it come true. And by letting go and letting them bring their strengths, I am so much bigger. Very good. 
So is there anything else for you about your own journey through the fundamentals? We hit all the high points. I will tell that story I told you before about my son. I have a 10-year-old boy, and he isn't just like me. And I attempt to do inventory-type things with him, like create possibilities and create the future and plan for things, and he doesn't really want to play those games. And I was frustrated by that, and I thought, what is up with that? Doesn't he like me? Doesn't he like life? You know. And then we did this work, and I saw that he fell into the category of judge. And I saw that everything you say about judges lined up with my experience of him. And he's hard-pressed to make a decision. He likes to blame other people. And, but we say that with humor inside of the influence ecology work. And judges definitely have a hugely important role in transactional cycle. And we all need judges in our team. I'm actually looking for one. I got that my son is a perfect, perfect judge. It allowed me a big release. And I no longer judge him as not like me or not inspirational or whatever. He's just perfect in his own personality type. So that was a big input. Very, very good. I remember hearing about that. When you shared it, it hit me what that might be like for anybody that has a child to understand that their child is going to be a particular personality. It may not be like theirs. It may be like something else altogether. And what a wonderful world it would be to be a child with a parent who understands that. I am curious about any of the practical side of your moving from an independent entrepreneur into where you are now. Is there anything you could share about what you did or how you did it? Anything else you could tell us that's practical about what you went through or what you did or how you did it? Well, so there's two lines. There's 15 years ago when I first went on my own, and then there's this most recent transformation from criminal defense to unlock legal. I got a lot of help. I chose to do what I call doing it right. I got a branding specialist. I got a logo designer. I reached out to people who had strengths. Of course, I thought I could do it all, John. I can come up with that brand and I can design that logo on Canva like anybody else. But I decided to invest in people who specialized and had these unique offers that would support me. And I hired a business strategist because I can come up with super duper ideas like selling my business in 10 years, but they're not based in reality. So he's kind of my judge, my business strategist. He asks these questions that I don't like to hear. I call him a buzzkill. So practically having a team is great. And I hired an assistant and she is another producer and she is amazing. So having a team and then letting them alone to, to use their genius. Furthering my education with influence ecology has been great and continue to further it. I'm going to take the next course offered as well. And I'm sure there's going to be lots of learning there. Okay. And what I'm thinking about is I'm thinking about all of the inventors or all of the people who start businesses who say, well, I don't want to hire a specialist because, well, they don't know it like I know it. They don't get it like I get it. They don't really get where I'm going. They don't understand this thing. What would you say to those people? Sometimes I tell my clients after we go through it, I say, you could do this yourself. This is how, this is what it would look like. But you can also tile your own bathroom. Why would you? (laughs) (laughs) I got the value that I offer as a specialist. They're just silly not to hire me to do this. I've got the connections. I've got the know-how. I've got the years of experience. Do they want to reinvent the wheel on this important thing called their livelihood? So when I got my own value as having a specialized offer, then I saw the value in all those other specialists too. And it was a no-brainer. It's much better to pay somebody to design that logo than try to do it myself and maybe be as good as them and maybe not. But spend hours of attorney time doing a logo, so hire it out. 
A brilliant way to say it all. All right. Well, good. Well, anything that you want to say standing on a soapbox? I always give people a little soapbox moment, but anything that you'd like to soapbox about? I'm not going to call this a soapbox, but what I will say is the name Influence Ecology always struck me funny. I found a list of wishes that I had created, and I had even written Influence Ecology wrong. I don't know what I put, like inspirational something, because the name struck me funny. But after the last conference, and I've attended two, we have an annual conference and a mid-year conference, and we just got back from the mid-year conference in Arizona, I got what you're creating, an influential ecology. They say who you are is the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and I want to be the average of these people. Influence ecology is, is academic. It's very elegant in the conversation. It's very interesting. The reading list is awesome for the different classes I've taken. But the community you intended to create, you succeeded. And so to be around those people and call them my people is huge. So to the listeners who are considering, influence ecology isn't like a class and it's not a program and it's not like all the other transformational stuff out there. It's its own thing. That's what I want to say. That's well said. Since you brought up the conference and you were sitting there during the parts where we talked a little bit about your brain, there was a moment when Kirkland said, turn to the left, turn to the right. This is your brain. And he told me a little bit later on, by the way, that when we did this in the United States, everyone went, ah, because they began to realize the knowledge in the room and the resource of knowledge that's in the room. He did the same thing, by the way, when he was in Melbourne, in the Melbourne conference. And instead of, ah, he got a laugh. (laughs) And he realized that in that moment, it occurred a little bit like, oh, gosh, if this is my brain, I'm in trouble until he started to understand the culture and the way in which that particular group might see, depending on or perhaps even transacting for specialized knowledge from other people. At some point, we got everybody there, but it was a very, very powerful moment in both conferences when people begin to realize the resource that's in the room that's available to them, both in terms of the networks of help, the specialized knowledge and everything else. Is there anything about the conference that you'd like to say about that particular piece or or anything else? So one of the hallmarks, I might say, of your annual conference, now I've only been to one, but I understand one of the hallmarks is the big game. And as an inventor, or maybe just as Miranda, I really did not like the game at the first conference. A lot of people did. Everything's a mirror. You show us how we transact in the world. And I just couldn't find my place in the game. And I was pretty annoyed. But inspired, I'm going back to the next annual conference, and I'm inspired to have a different experience. But the mid-year conference, you chose not to have us play a game. And I was so relieved. And we did collaborative work instead. And we created real bite-sized goals that we could take home and on a literally on a daily basis I'm taking steps towards my promise that I made to fulfill on by the annual conference and I really loved that I loved the teamwork I loved the availability as you said of all the people and by the way we network and we say all people are available but at the end of the day in real life you might call them and they never call you back or, or you might ask for a favor and they kind of shirk away I do think, though, that this is a little bit of a fraternity in the most positive sense. I do think that people are available to us, people meaning the members of Influence Ecology. So that's what I found at the conferences, the availability of people to listen and and advise. That's great. All right. Well, Miranda McCroskey, thank you so very, very much. It's been a pleasure having you on the Influence Ecology podcast. Thank you. Thank you. We're now going to hear more about the importance of seeking specialized help. 
This talk is from a follow-up webinar to one of our conferences. In it, we showed a slide made famous during a TED Talk titled, When Ideas Have Sex, by author Matt Ridley, a British journalist and businessman best known for his writings on science, the environment, and economics. The image shows an ancient hand axe and a modern computer mouse side by side. You'll hear our students talk a little bit about what they learned in viewing these two objects. If you'd like to see the TED Talk, we've put the link in our show notes. Here's the talk. I'm going to put up this slide, Angela, since you just talked about objects. This, for me, was, is my favorite slide of the entire conference. What's your relationship to this slide, and, and what do these objects mean? Well, the first object, although they look they're the same size, similar shape, they're meant to be held in the human hand, both of them. One very self-actional and one is very transactional in that no one person knows how to or has the capability of building a mouse for a computer. Whereas the hand acts, one person made it and used it over and over and over and their life was full of labor just to survive. Using a mouse, I have a cockpit of incredible machinery available to me to make requests, to send information to multiple people, to be way more effective in my transacting. That one slide is an incredible reminder that we have huge power available to us. No one person can do it all and shouldn't do it all. For someone who wasn't at the conference, didn't see the video, doesn't have any relationship to these things, Besides what you already said, is there anything else that you might say to orient people to these objects and their meaning here at Influence Ecology? I could. Go ahead, Kara. One of the first lessons I ever learned in Influence Ecology four years ago was about autonomy, mm. that having more help than you need was the remedy, not doing things alone. And as a judge, I always did things alone. So the object on the left is doing things alone, and the object on the right, within the context in which we discovered it in the TED Talk, is summed up in the phrase that self-sufficiency is the new form of poverty. One more time, please. Self-sufficiency is the new form of poverty. And this was from a talk from 2010 at TED. As some of you may know, I'm a TED Fellow, and I remember seeing this live um, online. I really, not just at an individual level, but at a group level, at a societal level, in whatever ecology I exist in, I see this pattern of self-sufficiency, whether it's this tiny group trying to do everything by itself, or my study group trying to do it by itself and not reaching out for help that self-sufficiency is the new form of poverty. It was the biggest and, and wonderful examples in that TED Talk. Very good. One of the reasons for this slide and the talk and the game was to point out the possibilities that become available to us when we exchange and when we specialize. This represents so many things, but one thing for sure it represents is exchange and specialization. Why is this my favorite slide? Well, it, it represents all the things that everyone said, a fundamental that we teach here at Influence Ecology. 
the people who make the petroleum, who make the batteries, who make the electronics, and all of the components that make up this mouse. It was said in the talk, no one person knows how to make a mouse because no one person knows how to mine petroleum and build electronics and make coffee for the oil workers and on and on and on. And so it is our commitment that you develop your role and your specialization in the marketplace and you play that well and you play it to win. This slide represents all of that. The other thing this slide represents to me, and it's some of the thing, one of the things that I said at the end of the conference, and I'll say it again here, and I'll say it as a way to complete the membership session today. I am so very, very grateful for your help. And I really do mean that. I mean that to each one of you. I mean that to every person who can hear me. I am so very, very grateful for your help. You help me. I help you, you help me. I'm so very grateful for your help, for your unique and specific and independent and individual help to me in the satisfaction of my aims and the help we are to one another. And being at conference and standing there at the end of the conference, I was present to and grateful for the help that we all are to one another. And it's, uh, it's a privilege to teach people to be great help. In our next episode, we'll hear from Lee Jay and Valerie Howard about how their company produces music and entertainment events that connect people and deepen relationships. When clients work with us, what we do furthers their career and their work. They know they have a partner and they will have peace of mind. That's not common. That's not normal. What we've seen more recently is a deeper understanding of really what we provide in the marketplace through their events by providing experiences. And then again, back to that word mood, that we have the ability and often will shift the mood from people, clients, attendees coming into an event from wherever they're at to leaving with a much deeper relationship with the people that they were sharing the event with. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you share it with others. You can share it from our website at influenceecology.com. You can subscribe on iTunes or any place you get your podcasts. If you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment, go to iTunes, and let us know what you think. Thank you for another great episode of the Influence Ecology Podcast. I'm your host, John Patterson. I'd like to thank our guests for a great interview. In our show notes, you'll find links to connect with them and all the links to websites, books, or special downloads mentioned in this podcast. This podcast is made possible by the brilliant work of the Influence Ecology staff, mentors, and members around the world. We're grateful for co-founder Kirkle Tibbles and his 30-plus years of specialized study and practice that make all this possible. Episode producer, editor, and music supervisor is Jason Kelly. Podcast, copy, and show notes, editing, and links by Carol Gregory.